right, what's up, folks? Welcome to another week. Live Life Aggressive Show. Sincere Hogan. Mike Mahler on the line. Okay, man. I know we got to take care of some house cleaning right off, but I'm just saying I'm excited about today's show, man, because uh, we got a bona fide badass on our show today. Big time. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Just reading his resume, I mean, first of all, it's just forget anything you ever watched on TV. Forget Jack Bauer and all those guys and all those fictional guys. He's got a real live Jack Bauer right here, man. It's like if Jack Bauer even just dreamed of being this guy, he needs to wake up and apologize. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> no doubt. Uh, Kiefer, Kiefer probably did a case profile on this guy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he just went through his role. resume like, yeah, hey, can you add this in the script? I want to be that too. Can you add that too? So, only yeah. thing, the only thing Kiefer has better is a better haircut, but that's only in season <laughs> one. I think, I think if if 24 keeps going on, he's going to look like our guest today. <laughs> now, our guest today is Mike Gillette, and we're going to get to him in a minute. He's a world-renowned U.S. tactical trainer among a whole litany of other impressive things. So we'll talk to him shortly. Real quick, though, I wanted to thank everyone who's been using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best nutrition supplements money can buy and also supporting the show. So we've got Kim Reed in Australia, Todd Smolin, Marcella Kinsella, love that name, in Canada. And I know she's a big hardcore fan, so that's extra kudos for you, Marcella. we got Scott Watson, Chris McLeod, Bruce Potter, Michael Duffy, Sphinx Patterson out of the UK. That's another Douglas, name. yeah, that's a cool <laughs> name too. Douglas McCloskey, Michael Richards, Michael Richards, the Seinfeld huh. actor, huh? could what? be, could be. <laughs> and Chad Shiver, these old great folks who have been using that coupon code to go that extra mile to support the show. Because again, the only reason you can listen to this show for free is because of folks like this. And, and anything going on over at hey man I, I didn't pull the list up right now because i was prepping for the show but um uh, some of those the list names of- you just mentioned, some of those names you just mentioned man were also I, I saw that they were customers but like i said i don't have my list pulled up as well as but i you know by the time we're in the show i can give the shout out especially to the people also on patreon you know we still have more and more patreon supporters so over. basically what you're saying is no one <laughs> that, that's a little behind the scenes. I don't have the list in front of me, folks, so I can't go down because there is no list. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, you know what's more exciting than any of this bullshit is the fact that I had a serious, okay, very high customer. profile. I'm not going to say his name just okay. yet because these kind of people want to keep a low profile. But I'm very excited about an extremely high profile celebrity that everybody who listens to this show knows, guaranteed. Bought three bottles of my testosterone booster and estrogen blocker, and I want to emphasize bought, bought because this guy could have easily been like, hey, here's who I am. Would you mind sending me some of this? And obviously it would have been worth my while to do that, but he didn't do that. He bought three bottles of each product. Well, his assistant did. <laughs> his people. And then, and then he needed it overnighted. He insisted on paying for the overnighting. So real class act guy, man. I was, I was really happy with the way he handled this whole thing. And it, what's funny is, I, I kid you not, I was literally watching a clip of him doing some comedy stuff on YouTube. Yeah. And then I checked my email and the order came in and I was like, nah, come on. This can't be a Take connection. And then I, I, I talked to his assistant on the phone because right. there was a problem placing the order. And then we took care of that, and she definitely clarified who it is for. So anyway, we'll keep tabs on that, and hopefully we'll have him as a guest on the show down the line. Hopefully, you get if, if, if there's ever someone oh, I hope man. is not a non-respond <laughs> that I hope is not a non-responder, it's this guy. You know, I don't want anyone to be a non-responder. It's only a two percent rate for the testosterone booster, but I really hope this guy doesn't fall into that category. So anyway, exciting stuff, and we'll have more updates on that. Now. We also have some excitement today. Any, anything else sincere you wanted to see on housekeeping or we'll get yeah, to our just, guests? Just head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show. That's another way that you can help keep the show going and growing over there. And big shouts out to our monthly supporters who keep editing their monthly pledge. They're going in and they're changing and everybody's bumping it up, man. So you got people who come <laughs> in at like at five and now they're going up to 10. So like I say, man, when you go over there, you see that box says become a patron, become a supporter. You see that one in the box, put a zero behind that one or a few zeros or at the very at least start with five, but just yeah. I mean, wh- why not go? Why not go to ten thousand a month? Why not? <laughs> I mean, you know, why not? You want to talk about? <laughs> you, you need to be that guy or that girl. <laughs> you want to talk about getting some serious shout-outs on the show? We'll make so sure to shout. We'll, 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 you'll get a shout-out like every five minutes. We'll stop and give you. Sh- it's like, oh, hold on a second before you answer that question. Quick shout-out to show <laughs> to so and so. We'll do like radio shows. Dude. It's like when you when you sit there and you support us with that much each month, it becomes. 
broadcasting live from the blah 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 studios. You know, and that blah 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 would be your name because you're the one who who busted out the ten grand. Okay, yeah, you get free product for life, autographed. <laughs> well, I always laugh about that. When Overnighted. They say, I always laugh when someone says, "Yeah, we're broadcasting live from the Toyota studios." I'm like, "You're you're broadcasting from your bedroom, dude. Stop." <laughs> Just give you a nice donation. So yeah, be that girl, be that guy, and become a co-producer of the show. Step it up. Yeah, we'll we'll take that. All right, man. Let's I go. mean, and regarding reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, like leave a review or don't, but do it because it is what you wish to do. <laughs> okay, <right>? okay, con. <laughs> and if you haven't left a review yet, guess what? You have to ask us now for permission to leave a review. You don't get to just go leave a review now. You have to come ask us if it's okay for you to go leave a review. You're going How about so that. Many, there are a lot of young people who have no idea what you're referencing to right now. They just think that you're being a complete asshole. Which some yeah, art of war shit are. is what that is. <laughs> but you guys should be taking some notes on that. That's not, that's the art of manipulation right there. It's like shit, man. Uh, I didn't even think about leaving a review, but now I got to ask to leave a review. I, I, I guess I better do it. <laughs> All right, you trekkies out there, you got it. You understood what was going on. All right. Speaking about the art of manipulation from another standpoint, again, our our guest today is Mike Gillette. He's a world-renowned U.S. tactical trainer. He spent time as an Army paratrooper, SWAT commander, government counterterrorism expert, bodyguard to Fortune 500 executives. And if that's not enough, he's a record-breaking motivational strongman whose feats have been documented on the Guinness World Records, Ripley's Believe It or Not. You name it. Now, as impressive as all of that stuff is, the only th- he recently presented at the Dragon Door Health Conference, and that unfortunately nullifies everything you've ever done in your life, Mike. You know, we just can't take you seriously now after that. <laughs> well, that's a shame, Mike. I, uh, it, was, it was only useful. It sounded associ- like we were bonding pretty good there for a minute. Look, man, if you wanted to be associated with Dragonord, it had to be between 2002 and 2006. You know, that ship has has left the harbor, man. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard tell of those legendary days. <laughs> so how are you doing, man? It's been a while doing since we talked. Doing very well, thanks. Oh, you know what, man? You have a, you had a reconnect with you. Oh, yeah, it's great. We, we had lunch in Vegas a while back, and you had a really funny story about a network marketer. You remember that story that you told me? It was about a guy that you arrested, and while you're while you're putting oh, him in yeah. Hand, yeah, while you're putting him in handcuffs, yeah. he's trying to pitch you on the opportunity. <laughs> you, got, you got to tell us that story. That that is no joke. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was just a guy who was picking up on a warrant. You know, it's one of those uh, times where. If it's a little slow in the street, you go uh, through the stack of warrants on your clipboard and you, you look who's close and, and you, you start checking houses and apartments. I went over to this guy's place and uh, sure enough, the guy was there and uh, put him in cuffs. We're heading out the door. He's down in the basement. We're walking past stacks of a particularly well-known uh, product that is you know, a direct market kind of uh, – uh, thing that uh, people take it's a nutritional product so it's, it's, and, it's, it's a two words the last one is it, it starts it starts with something that rhymes okay. with herba and then okay. the last word is life that's right okay. yeah i think that sounds familiar now, now that you put it like that mike and <laughs> i just think sort of dismissively i i mentioned the name of the product because there was obviously so much there he wasn't a customer he was uh but you, you couldn't sell that stuff a business you to it. and you know so i just you know i say the name of the company comma huh and he says oh yeah and fa- you know, and he's like starting to just reflexively go into his pitch while in handcuffs <laughs> as i'm walking him up the stairs <laughs> his basement. it was just an epically hilarious moment of which there were many in my uh, law enforcement days but yeah that was that was a good one that, that had to be in vegas right uh, no, that was uh, I. I practiced the cop trade in in the Midwest in the middle okay. of no place special. Uh, but uh, th- those were some very formative years for me, just in terms of uh, what I was able to uh, take take from the lessons that I, I was uh, learning every day. And uh, it's I literally learned everything I needed to know to be effective. Uh, at a much higher level, you know, in much more uh, awe inspiring. Uh, job positions hmm. uh, back back in those uh, very early days just by paying attention listening to what guys who had more experience and were smarter than me were telling me yeah now were, were you in the military before SWAT yeah military was uh, you know your, your typical get money for college get some life experience so that happened right. first 
and that was uh, 82 to 84. I had actually gone into the military because I had designs on being a cop. And while I was in the military, I became very enamored with the military and that's that's uh, sort of seized all my attention. And when my term of enlistment was wrapping up, I was looking at uh, potential options. And what I decided to do was take advantage of an opportunity uh, which would afford me an ROTC scholarship. I'd complete my degree, get commissioned as an officer, go right back in active duty, jump out of airplanes for the next 20 years, and life would be great. My uh, plans were cut short my first semester uh, at, at school. Day before finals week started, I was in a climbing accident, uh, broke my ankles, my back, and at that point was told I would never run again, jump out of airplanes, and so forth. So I was, uh, I was distracted for a few years trying to uh, deal with all of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like whenever someone is told that, you know that you're going to prove them wrong. Because uh, that, because these doctors always try to talk in absolutes. Like what what are they Nostradamus? You know they <laughs> they know exactly what you can or can't do, what you're capable of. Well, the the difficult thing for me in in overcoming that is my orthopedic surgeon had uh, served as an army doctor, so he knew intimately uh, what I was referencing when I said, "Well, can I do this? Well, will I be able to do that?" Oh, okay, you know, and he's no foolish boy. Yeah, none of that. You know, you're you're just lucky to be alive. And of course, when you're when you're that guy, when you're in that position, you don't feel lucky. Yeah, you just yeah. intensely limited. And uh, was was I motivated? Yeah, sure. Was I more terrified than motivated? Probably because I didn't have a plan B, and I was I married, had a brand new baby, so I needed to make that plan A work. And yeah, you know, so that. It took a lot of time and, and, uh, and attention to make happen, but ultimately I was able to make it. Yeah, you I mean you're you're fortunate about that. You have your incredible documentation of your feats of strength. So how did you overcome this? How did you get back to full capacity and beyond? Um, I just didn't quit. I not because I had a genius methodology. I just didn't quit. Um, I had many reasons to quit. I, it was it was a very painful recovery. I was a horrible patient. I was a. Uh, I think the technical term is moron when it comes <laughs> to following instructions. Yeah. You know, whatever you do, don't do anything on on the list. <laughs> I know better than that. So, you know, I'm in a back brace. I'm doing pull-ups. I've got cast on. You know, I mean, just, just a complete buffoon. But that's just how I was wired. So I figured that I could just outwork circumstances, outwork reality. And, and I really couldn't. What I was doing was just uh, lengthening the recovery process instead of facilitating it. You know, I, I was working against myself. But that's... You know, I, I was from a particular school of thinking, or perhaps not right. thinking at that <laughs> time, and not thinking so much had, up to that point, worked very well for me. You know, just do, just do, just do. You know, it's all about effort. It's all about intensity. It's all about accumulation, and that that's the only tool I had to bring to bear on that particular conundrum, and um, it wasn't until I made the conscious effort to try the one thing I hadn't tried previously, which was moderation. And uh, that was the one time that I really embraced moderation. And, uh, you know, four and a half years after the accident, that's how long it took me hmm. uh, to sort of unsuck myself and, and do what I needed to do so that I could allow myself to heal and progress at a, you know, more reasonable rate, which, you know, thankfully I did. And from there on, you know, the the governor came off, and it's just been thousand miles an hour ever since. Yeah, yeah it's man. really impressive. And you know, there's some people listening. They hear they're hearing the words they want to hear. Like, okay, moderation. Yeah, don't work too hard. But there are some people <laughs> who practice moderation in moderation. So, so he, <laughs> what, what Mike is what Mike is describing here has nothing to do with you. What you're doing is called. Yeah, he said he was doing what he was doing was being a moron. But no, what he's doing is persevering. And look, man, he was he's taking stuff on face to face, head on. What you're doing is just being a lazy ass. Okay, so don't don't try to don't try to work it your way. Like, hey, even if Mr. Badass over there has to do things in moderation, then why the hell should not do things in moderation? It's like, it's like Donald Trump said one time on The Apprentice. People were talking about their injuries. I think it was Lennox Lewis and Tito Ortiz, yeah. and he's like, "See, guys, this is why I don't work out because everyone I know who works out has injuries." You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is why you'll probably be voted president because exactly. the average person is like, "Hey, that's me. I can relate to this guy." Yeah, like, he doesn't like yeah. to work out, you know. Hey, he loses money. I have time. a bad haircut too. Yeah, he loses. He's always bankrupt. I mean, why not? Hey, he's just like me. 
Well, you know what? You know what's scary about you know what's funny about someone like Donald Trump is that I, I think he'll definitely be the Republican nomination is, without a shadow of a doubt. A lot of people <laughs> laugh when they hear me say no, that, but no, I, go, no, I go, I go, I go. He's going to be it. I'll tell you why. Because one, everybody knows who he is. Two, he's irreverent, right? And whether you agree with him or not, the fact that he's irreverent, people like that. And one thing I do, I mean, I, I don't think he would be a great president, but one thing I do like about him is that when he's asked a question, he actually answers it. Notice how most politicians have these circular answers where they yeah. never get to the question. Yeah, he's so, I mean, there's free, some, there, there's a, there's a compelling story there. And, the, and then on this, this debate recently, 24 million people viewed in. You really think that many this people early. would have watched if he, yeah, if he wasn't there, 30% lead on everybody else? Come on. He's, there's 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 a good chance he may become president too, man, and that's kind of a freaky thought. But it's a, there's a good chance, man, because a compelling a story is a very powerful thing. Yeah, it says a lot yeah, about the Republican Party uh, as well. He's, I uh, I make it a practice not to uh, comment uh, on on politics, you know, out loud ever. But you can't deny he's good TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no getting around whether it. Whether you like him or not, it's a compelling yeah. story and. That's that's powerful stuff when it comes to who someone elects because most people don't really follow politics. They don't look into someone's background. They just watch a few news bites here and there, and they go, "Oh yeah, I, I like that guy in The Apprentice. You know, maybe he'll be good." You know? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's that's the dude from the Miss USA pageant. Yeah, my type of guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I read I read Art of the Deal twenty years ago. Maybe he'll do a good job. See, all those things right there already make him a more viable candidate oh, than any politician. Okay, he likes to be around women, hot women. Okay, he's not afraid to spend his money and lose it, like a lot of men in this country. You know, you know, they like to be around hot women. They like to lose money. They don't look that great. Okay, but they still think they can pull any woman. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. well, I don't have to look good as long as I have money. He's overweight. Yeah, suddenly, he's yeah. very relatable. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, though, the one thing I do like about him is that he doesn't care about pissing people off. Right. Exactly. He doesn't care. He doesn't take a poll before he answers a question. He just says yeah, what he's got to say. And then he doesn't I apologize after he says it. Uh, whether it's a politician <laughs> or anybody, I think that that I, I think you're correct. I think that's something people gravitate towards simply because it is a stark contrast. Right. Because whether we're talking politics or anyone who's in the public eye, uh, we're so con- concerned about not offending people because right. apparently being offended is now been upgraded to a medical condition <laughs> that uh, you know we, we avoid it at all costs. You know, being controversial is I mean that's just something that comedians used to do and it was right. no big deal. It's what we expected. I mean TV shows used to be controversial when I was a kid growing yeah. up in the seventies. Oh yeah. And yeah. now it's you know this uh, thing that everyone fears and well, imagine as a Eddie result, Murphy it makes a very sort of uh, pasteurized environment. Right. Can you imagine it's, a show like all in the family like on today, yeah, exactly. you know, the, all the protests that would happen outside the studios, if that would have I mean, or even, even Eddie Murphy, become... Eddie, Eddie, yeah, the Jefferson's Eddie Murphy Raw, remember that? That's, yeah. That stand-up oh act? I mean, that yeah. people would have been protesting halfway through. Oh, yeah, he had to apologize for that, you know, 20-plus yeah. years after the fact. I said some things that were hurtful. It's like he's a comedian. Yeah, nothing is off-limits in comedy, nothing. Oh, exactly. Yeah, well... As long as it's funny, it's funny. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's and, the way it should be, is what I'm and saying. And the marketplace would would be the ultimate arbiter. You know, you're you're either funny right. or not. You're you're delivering something that people respond to, or you're not. And if right. you're not good, you're not good. <laughs> no, that that's absolutely right. The only the only rule of comedy that matters is whether it's funny or not. Exactly. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's sometimes you know it's an it's, it's it's an offensive statement, but you're laughing because it's funny, right? right. And that's what comedy is. It's supposed it's to be a real presentation of it. And you can tell when right. it's being forced. And, like, okay. and I think that uh, you know whether it's comedy or art of of any type, I think that we're we're less prone to like uh, the idea of being challenged, of of being engaged. You know, we like things that are comfortable. Uh, you know, we yeah. like our food comfortable, even if it's bad for us. You know, just everything comfortable. <laughs> yeah. And um, you want you workouts know, to be comfortable, we, so you we, sit in exactly. a bike. You know? That's exactly. <laughs> right. You know, uh, Sincere's comment earlier, which you know I thought was pretty clear, is you know moderation, moderation. Um, <laughs> but but that that's very very much uh, where I think people's heads are at, or you know we've been sort of led to believe that that's that's where we all should be. And well, we we know where people's heads are at. You know? <laughs> we we remind people of that every week on and, the show. And, and for, in the uh, annals and of darkness, experiencing the the consequences of that sort of uh, you know collective uh, <laughs> mentality, which is uh, 
it's it's it fosters unremarkableness. Absolutely, that's a great right. way to put it too. And it's 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 one of those things where people are so desperate for some level of self importance that being offended allows that. It's like I'm going to go out and be offended, and that way I have a soapbox now where people are going to listen to what I have to say. And I don't care about offending people. So we don't. People. I, I'm this, so sick this, of people being offended. I'm like just when I was no when I was in college, we had to take a course on political correctness. I kid you not, a, an entire God. course. It was mandatory. That, yeah, and that was the first – I went to a liberal arts co- uh, yeah, college, okay. so you could imagine – you know, you can word, imagine I see the key word in that. I see the key word. It wasn't about arts. Like there. Okay. Well, I mean I'll give, you a fun, I'll give you a couple funny examples. But I mean so the political correctness course, if you refer to a woman as a girl – so in other words, like if you – let's say there's three college women hanging out and you're like, hey, girls, how you doing? They could actually report you for, oh, for calling them girls instead of a woman because they're adults. All right, That's, a, that's one example right there. So I mean, political. This is the first time I was ever introduced to political correctness. This is 1993. So I mean, uh, 1992, 93. Yeah. So I, I, I never even heard of the term before that. I, I just thought it was yeah. the most ridiculous. Well, here's here's the thing about brought. political correctness, Mike. Political correctness is a lot like Charlie. It's been in the jungle, getting stronger. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Nothing. Dude, okay, that's my apocalypse now reference. I nobody say, gets yeah. that. I, 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 I got it. I got it. I, got, I, got, I, got, right. I think you just went oh, on some hands. I got the reference. It just wasn't witty. Okay, I can <laughs> no, I got it. It was just kind of a disturbing <laughs> content because it's true. You know? exactly. I was like, I wish I could laugh because I wish I could laugh yeah. as if that's some kind of exaggeration, but, but it like, isn't. Yeah. But it's like, absolutely it's true because it's the truth. Dang, well, now, now you have a bunch of college kids who don't want certain comedians coming to the school because oh they gosh. find their material offensive. That is, uh, that's a really interesting <laughs> thing. In fact, um, some, something I've become uh, acquainted with recently because uh, I'm scheduled to appear at a uh, event, I guess, in October. And it's uh, a, a gathering of, of people who present prospectively for uh, college audiences. And uh, I've I've been getting briefed by by people to sort of uh, antici- what things I should be anticipating right. because it is such a minefield. Uh, the the college uh, speaking circuit is becoming so bizarrely delicate. Yeah. High schools, not so much. You know, uh, adult uh, business organizations, not so much. But there's just this. Uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely this, not this high school. Calamitous <laughs> perception that we're associating, you know, college students with, where they just they just can't handle things that are that are difficult or troublesome. Right. And you know, you think about what the uh, the whole notion of what college was once upon a time. Well, you know, you go to this place and you absorb uh, wisdom and contrary viewpoints, and you yep. sort of learn how to sort all that out. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the the paradox is there's only one way, which is this sort of weird, skewed, filtered kind of uh, – we're told it's an idealized uh, – It's more like it's more like a totalitarian type yeah, system it, it is, is what it is because either, if you look at – if you look at any kind of dictatorship, what, what what's the one thing that went out the door is freedom of speech. Yep, right? right? You can't talk about the leaders. You can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. So what they're doing is basically infringing on First Amendment rights. Now they're basically saying, well, you can't say this because it's going to offend me. Yeah. You can't say that because it's going to offend this person. It's yeah. like, well, which one is it? Do we're we have freedom of speech you, or not? We can't. We're just not going to allow any controversy. <laughs> we're just going to run which you off right, campus with is, a bunch of burning fires. Which is the politically so correct the, way of and, saying we're not going to let you say what you need to say. And <laughs> the ultimate yeah. irony of that is we, we, the umbrella term we use to describe that extremely specific uh, dictatorial messaging is we call that tolerance. Yeah, yeah. Uh. So, <laughs> well, I mean, certain things are allowed, though. I mean, now I, I've I've been to high schools and given lectures where I've heard teachers say jokingly say, "Oh, you know, uh, girls are a lot smarter than boys." Ha 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 ha. Now imagine if a teacher said, imagine, oh my gosh. Yeah. well, imagine <laughs> if a teacher said the opposite of that. That would be a news story. Oh yeah, because right. now you know you're right. being misogynistic, you're being a yeah. sexist. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah, come on. Protected class. Anything issue. that's anything that's masculine is denigrated. At best, it's made fun of. At worst, it's denigrated. Like this is something we need to abolish. Like this testosterone, we need to eradicate testosterone from <laughs> right. the world because that's the why we have all of these problems. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's interesting that we've, uh, you know, uh, interesting slash maybe not not that surprising because I mean you know, you guys for for all of the trappings of of being meatheads are you know uh, pr- pretty sharp fellows and um, somebody recently uh, I mean you know how it is when when you're a little bit notorious on the internet you know you're 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 just famous enough to have haters not fans <laughs> so I mean that that, that that's got you got to have at least a few men otherwise your business hasn't quite <laughs> gotten to the yeah, that, that, that's you, you haven't reached the turning point of where um, real success is in your reach until you have some people talking some smack right right and what's funny to me is uh, every now and then a, a person will try to denigrate me by referring to me as a knuckle dragger or a meathead <laughs> and they have no idea how hard I worked to become both a knuckle dragger <laughs> and a meathead. It's like thank you. Well, what they all, what there they don't realize years is years for me when those were out of my grasp, and I wanted nothing more to, than to be a knuckle well, dragger. If it wasn't for men, if it wasn't for men and women like you and your line of work, someone like that wouldn't be able to make those comments. They'd be too worried about getting raped in the village or getting <laughs> exactly. killed. You know, like people in Rwanda and Bosnia and. You know, the rest of the world where, Matt, where, where a Mad Max existence is real. And that's so all, all, all these pretentious dipshit college students with their PC crap, you know, they don't realize that the only reason no, why no, they Don't sugarcoat even, it, Mike. Just well, I, was just, I was just about to say The only Mike. reason why they can even come at that way is because of men and women like you who are well, putting themselves on the line to protect their rights. Well, and, and the uh, fact that the reason they can come that way is because they're hiding behind a keyboard. They wouldn't say it in this space. Yeah, Trust me. You know? And, and I, here's my thing, Mike. The next time we say, oh, you're a knuckle dragger and a meathead, we say, well, you're an ass dragger and a dickhead. So look, it's nice to meet you. Okay? So shit. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, it's it's funny that it's funny to give people some paradoxes though, right? Because I fall in that it's like, oh, you're a meathead. It's like, well, I don't even eat meat. <laughs> you know? right, I've been right. at 20 it's funny years. When he said that, it's I like, cracking it's, like, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, you're a liberal pussy, Mike. It's like, well, which one is it? You just called me a meathead. <laughs> <You know? laughs> How can I be a meathead and a thug and a Neanderthal and a caveman, and then I'm also a liberal pussy? <laughs> you well, you're, you're obviously complex. You're that, all things to all people, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or yeah, we we. Tend to be all things to all people who don't like us. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you know, once you start to personify a particular thing, that's you know, you, you, every everything sort of falls in line. It's like if you really like someone, everything about them is sort of endearing, and if you don't <laughs> yes. like some someone, everything, everything they about do is crazy. <laughs> yeah. That, that's true, man. It's like fart too loud. It's just like just oh, you burping again. She brushed her teeth for two minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's like put the toothbrush away away already. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, you're doing that just to bug me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean, what's funny is looking at your background. Like you know, if you go, like, we're we're both big 24 fans, right? And if you when 24 was a hot show, you could go on the website and you could see the fictitious backgrounds of each character. <laughs> and if you went to Jack Bauer's background, it was very similar to your background. <laughs> That's why when I saw it, I was like, wait a minute, I think she got ripped off, Mike. I said, this is no, it looks this like is Jack's bio. Either no, that or like you're, you're Jack paste, Bauer. Your background onto that page. Only, the only thing they didn't cut and paste is the the world breaking strongman feats. Because I mean, looking at Kiefer, that would be a little bit too much for us to believe. <laughs> but, <laughs> we could believe everything else, but come on now. At that point, we're like, okay, CGI time, man. We're not believing that. So yeah, like man. he couldn't snatch a seventy pound kettlebell even if he even if it meant he would be you know exonerated from that Russian prison. You know? <laughs> oh man. So I mean, so you started off as a so you you did some time as an army paratrooper, SWAT commander. Right, yeah. How did all how did all of this lead? You know, government counterterrorism expert, and how did all you know, this lead to bodyguard to the Fortune 500 executive? Yeah, it uh, okay. You've probably seen that film Forrest Gump, <laughs> and you know the main character played uh, by Tom Hanks, sure. and how the main character just sort of finds himself in different circumstances. Yeah. Really, yeah. It was a lot more like that than it was <laughs> me being super cool, yeah. uh, truth be told. Basically, it all started, uh, I think, when I had the idea that I wanted to be a cop. Mm. It's 1981. I had uh, 1981 was kind of a pivotal year for me simply because I had, uh, I had grown up one type of person uh, – because of my life circumstances, I was the the smallest, weakest, scaredest, most uh, 
self-limiting thinking person you would ever meet. If you had seen me as a kid, you would never have picked me for anything other than, you know, this guy's probably not going to make it. Um, so in, in 1981, uh, I had kind of a, a transformative ex- uh, series of experiences, and suddenly I, I was a different guy at a different worldview. I mean, I was still the same scrawny kid, but I was, uh, I was big on the, the inside. I had suddenly I had high positive expectations for myself, and you know, I wanted to be a cop. I tried, I tried pursuing that, but I was so young, no one would hire me. I, I got to the point where, because my test scores were so high with one agency, they had to interview me. And <laughs> I, because of that, they said, hey, look, you, know, you seem like a nice enough kid, but here's some free advice. You know, go get some life experience. You know, come back in a couple of years when you're a little older, like you know, maybe some college. You know, maybe look at the military. I literally, thanks, guys, out the door, uh, <laughs> driving down the road to the Army recruiter because, hey, cool, I'll do that. Um, I'm whatever, whatever uh, seemed like a good idea. I was going to pursue that, so I uh, started the process running the military. I figured, well, I should probably uh, be training hard physically. I started taking martial arts classes. My first martial arts classes were a, a honest to goodness, uh, how there could even be one in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, Shaolin <laughs> Fu School, oh, which funny. was so cool. And the guy who ran it, his name's Philip Starr. He's actually pretty famous now. He uh, lives elsewhere. He's got books out and whatnot. But uh, yeah, he was a you know a chain whipping, arrow catching. Three section staff wielding, you know, silky robe wearing guy, and I thought it was the coolest thing I had ever seen because it totally matched up with what I thought of the martial arts being at age nineteen. Right, started right. reading Black like, right out right out of Kung Fu. Exactly. Oh yeah, I started reading show. Black Belt magazine, and you know, and I, and I was that kid. So um, I was going to the movies. I saw all of the early Chuck Norris movies in the theater, and what was he in all of those movies? He was a guy who had been a cop, and he had been in the military, and he'd been a martial arts guy and then he'd done some hush hush stuff that no one really talked about much he was always this weird pastiche of just awesome different things so i literally absorbed that as though that was reality and it's it's weird to think that those sorts of messages were penetrating my my brain and potentially influencing me later in life but i i think they may have because when i finally got into law enforcement when i was able to sort of physically get to the point where i could look at that again after all of my injuries from that climbing accident um it took me very little time to get uh plugged into the training universe i was a I was a rookie cop when they sent me to uh, – my agency sent me to a, uh, a instructor credentialing course uh, to be a, a police fitness trainer. So I did that, and it was basically because nobody else in my agency wanted to do it. It wasn't because I think I was super special necessarily, but I became a police academy instructor, and then – because I found that I, I was A, good at training, B, I loved to do it, and C, I thought I had a real aptitude for all of that, just you know, teaching people stuff. And I think I was, I was good at teaching people stuff because I wasn't a great student, so I really understood how to break things down, uh, how to make material palatable for people who maybe weren't even that motivated to learn it. And then I just built a impressive resume very quickly. I would go to every training course imaginable that was within driving distance that I could afford. Very few of these my agency had any need for me to go to, so I was burning vacation time. I was basically building this stupid uh, heavy resume, and I ultimately – by 2001, I I have – Check this with with several people who know such things. I believe I was the most credentialed tactical trainer in the U.S., maybe anywhere at that time. Uh, so 2001, I left law enforcement and I engaged in the training realm full time. Uh, 9-11 happened and I uh, pursued headlong some opportunity, some potential opportunities. I mean, I talked to my boss into chasing down the CEO of every major airline uh, that existed because we didn't know how else to do it. And you know, a video that we had filmed out in Hollywood at a place where they make uh, sets for uh, you know, air, 
airliners right, right. or movies and TV. That's where we went to film my material. We sent those videos to every airline on the, on the planet, every mm. single one, and uh, got a couple of RFPs as requests for proposals from uh, a couple of major airlines. Ended up doing more work for the commercial airline industry than any other person on the planet. Mm. Uh, and getting that, you know, that's basically, you know, teaching uh, flight attendants how to take people out with coffee pots and everything else you can imagine wow. on an aircraft. So that work led to other work with other big companies. Uh, ultimately, I relocated to Las Vegas, and I was a faculty member for the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Uh, I was director of tra- training for the Institute for Security Studies. My uh, department head was a former uh, Delta commander, and we existed on campus, which made some people really unhappy because it was guys like us, uh, not academicians, but we were bringing revenue into the um, into the university, you know, through uh, research projects, uh, professional training programs. There was even an academic piece associated with that. Uh, it was training relationships that got me into bodyguard work, and I did that from 2006 through the very beginning of 2012. Uh, not a lot of clients, but clients that everybody has heard of, uh, predominantly from the tech industry. And uh, a, a few people I can talk about, but most I can't just because all of uh, those projects were governed by NDAs. But uh, were, you, were you ever in situations where you actually had to do something? Where you actually had a so – someone was trying to attack very, one of these? Very yeah. infrequently. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you are – Somebody has made a, a grievous error of planning. Yeah. Uh, the it's it was always stressful because everything could always twist off. Right. But um, ideally, nothing happens. You know, because the clients never want anything to happen. Right. And right. you don't want any. It's um, it's it's stressful work because. You know, the implications safety-wise uh, are a big deal. And, I mean, imagine the stress that the personal assistant of a celebrity has. Yeah, right. Because oh, if yeah. you're a celebrity uh, and being uber wealthy, I mean, if, if you're in the Forbes 50 list, you're famous. Everyone knows who you are. Right. The difference is you're also a multi-billionaire, which means you can do whatever you want. And I don't want to know what my personality would be like if I was a multi-billionaire. I would probably start to get a little unreasonable. So yeah. dealing with these people day in, day out, you know, you're dealing with atypical behavior. Right. I mean, atypical lives, atypical circumstances. So it's a, it's a very unique animal. But what I was learning about that work is my time was not my own. I was traveling at the drop of a hat, uh, long days, bad sleep, bad food, uh, irregular training. And there were other things in other realms I wanted to do professionally, you know, that was never going to happen as long as I was doing that work. So as good as that work was, as well as I was being taken care of and the level of people I was working with, you know, fellow teammates and so forth that were just brilliant and uber talented and hardworking, I stepped away from that the very beginning of 2012 to do other things, notably uh, write and coach and, you know, put uh, – Put out products and you know DVDs and, and and so forth that I thought would favorably impact the world, but it yeah. was it was difficult to do because it was scary because it was, right. it was kind of like when I was all smashed up uh, many years earlier. I didn't have a plan B. I had to step away from that work in order to have the time to do these other things. So uh, well, I think it's important not to have a plan B because if you have a, if you <laughs> yeah. have a plan B, you're always thinking about that. Exactly. I remember a friend of mine who was who wanted to be a kettlebell instructor and. He came up around the same time I did, and he had this timeline on when he was going to give up, you know, <laughs> because he's basically wow. going, yeah. he's basically going, look, you know, if this doesn't work out by this date, then I'm going to go do this, and I'm like, go do that now. He's like, what do you mean? I go, you're already giving yourself a back door, right. man. Yeah. I go, I go, my my attitude is, there's, I was like, this is it. You know, I've already done stuff I don't want to do. I was like, I'm making this happen or bust. That's it. I wasn't thinking about, well, 
you know, if I don't make this happen in two years, I'll go back to the internet.com world and suffer through the rest of my miserable life working, you know, working there. I wasn't thinking that at all. So you, you kind of, everyone I know who's successful, they don't have a bunch of plan B, C, D. They got one plan and that's it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of how it was and, or is, I should say, but I've, you know, I've, I've been lucky an, an awful lot, and uh, certainly the last couple of years, I've I've been lucky doing the things that I wanted to do. And um, really, I think the the coolest part about being me is that, or if there is a lesson to be taken uh, from listening to guys like you talk to a guy like me, is I've. I've done a lot of things, not necessarily because I'm extraordinarily gifted. It's just I'm extraordinarily interested in doing those things. Yeah. And if I hadn't taken that leap you know, or, or those various leaps at various times, I never would have known, A, if I could, B, what it would be like, you know, and C, all of those leaps have really informed everything that I do now so that when I, I work with people now, I have a lot to bring to those relationships. And uh, well, I think one of the most important things you can do in life is become an interesting person because a lot of people always complain about like, oh, you know, I don't know any interesting people. I go, that's because you're not, <laughs> you're not interesting. interesting. Why, why, <laughs> yeah. why, would, why would you know any interesting people yeah, and yeah. you're not if interesting? You, it's like, if you don't know any, become one. Well, it's like what people always say. Go. People always say, just work out with people that are way stronger than you, and you'll become stronger. It's like that's probably true. But why would I want to work out with you if you're way weaker than me? What's that doing for me? You hold me. You know, it's not doing anything for me. You got to at least be in the ballpark to go work out together. We're gonna go do deadlifts, and I got to take. Tell you what, I'll let you watch. Watch to work out, and then and then you can do what I did after I'm done. Exactly. No, but going back to what you said about luck, you know, I put up a post on Twitter because people always like to. I'm not saying you did this, but people often don't look at people that are successful and go, oh, well, they're, they're just lucky. And I go, what appears as luck is usually the intersection of hard, consistent work and optimal timing. So in other words, you're not going to be able to take advantage of optimal timing if you're not putting in the work because that's how you're going to be there to catch those turning points. So I mean, if you're just sitting around waiting for things to happen, you're not going to be that lucky. That's, uh, that's well said. And there's um – I was talking to someone this past weekend uh, whom I've known of for a long time, but uh, only a couple of days ago I had the opportunity to meet. And he's he's a strength expert, and he one of the ongoing projects that he's been uh, engaged with is he's designed strength training protocols for a particular branch of services, uh, special operations forces, mm-hmm. and. You know, we were talking about that and, and what he does uh, for that particular population, and he he mentioned that you know because of their training budgets, they have had a lot of people in uh, over the years. You know, to look at what uh, what they do and you know various experts because you know you're always trying to build a better mousetrap, as it were. And he started listing off names. Of other strength experts who had, you know, come in and, and done a, uh, you know, a dog and pony show uh, for this particular audience, <laughs> and these were names that you guys would know right away, and names I certainly knew. Uh, these are guys who've written books that I'm sure all, you know, all three of us own, and and probably revere to a certain extent. And it was interesting to me um, how. Many of those guys, this organization had taken a pass on, and it reminded me of something. And this is probably the most key thing that I can share with you in, in the remaining moments that we have. And I alluded to this a couple of minutes ago when I was talking about working with the airline industry. Um, not, when 9 11 happened, I believed at the time, you know, we're going back to 2001, I mean, l- literally the day of the attacks, I thought to myself, Okay, there's there's going to be some irreparable economic harm caused to the commercial airline industry, and part of its recovery is probably going to involve some type of training uh, for people who are of that industry, you know, to deal with potential threats like this. And again, those first few weeks after the initial attack, if you looked at the polls, everyone thought we were going to get hit with wave after wave of attack. You know, everybody was feeling very vulnerable at that time. Right. And 
So I assumed that even though you know 2001, I had a pretty unparalleled uh, resume with respect to training law enforcement, corrections, and you know, and some military personnel in a wide variety of use of force topics. My my brain was telling me that it's going to be somebody slicker and more experienced and well established that is going to solve that problem. You know, because I saw that's probably going to be a well compensated. Uh, problem solver, right, right, and somebody who had more traction in the private sector. And at that point, I had no traction in the private sector. So weeks go by, and it's a Sunday evening. I'm watching some news magazine, TV show uh, after the evening news, and they said, you know, coming up after the next commercial break, we're going to show you what uh, you know airline personnel are, are doing to prepare themselves for the next potential attack. And I said, ah, okay. And in my mind, I was already formulating who I might be looking at because I knew everyone in the industry. They didn't necessarily know me, but I certainly knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And we come back from commercial. I'm watching this, this news segment, and it's a guy in a gi in a, in a dojo with some flight attendants. And they are doing straight-up martial arts techniques to include a flip and hip throw. And all I could think of was, okay, in, in, in a no, no, in a dojo. In a, but at the time, I'm thinking, all right, in a 737, which is a fairly common aircraft, the aisle is 14 inches wide. Yeah, that's what I meant when I said only, in the plane. You can only stand up in the very center of the aisle. There are fixed objects throughout the entirety of the aircraft. Okay, what I'm seeing is idiocy. <laughs> it was the next morning that I approached my boss and I said, hey, I think there may be an opportunity because if this guy is indicative of what's you know out there, uh, then I think we're competing against potentially some morons and right. more morons, you know, the better for me. <laughs> so and that was that was what led to the onslaught of our very aggressive and unsophisticated marketing campaign. Now, flash forward a few months and I'm sitting in the uh, training headquarters in Chicago of United Airlines, you know, for a training project that was ultimately scoped for 28,000 end users. This was a year and a half training project. It was expensive and I was the prime architect and lead instructor of. Now, I had been wondering because as we got to the competitive phase, um, there was a guy who already had the contract, didn't compete for it. He, a, a guy knew a guy and the guy was very famous. I had studied his materials while I was in the police academy. This guy was so well known in the uh, training realm. I had no idea at the time that I'd potentially be competing against him. When it got down to the top three, our our firm was one of the top three. Another firm was an Israeli firm, and those guys have a lot of traction in the uh, aviation sphere, so that didn't surprise me. But the other guy that I was competing against was a guy who 10 years earlier had certified me as an instructor in his system. Mm-hmm. If I had known at the time that I was competing against him, I would have like, no, there's no way. I, I'm not even going to waste my time. I mean, he's the man. I'm his student in a sense. Right. Now, now – it's later in the year. We've got the contract, and I'm I'm there on break, and I casually ask the training staff how many unsolicited, you know, because I know that we were an unsolicited uh, vendor. We sent you a bunch of stuff. How many other people? They said, oh, we've got a mailbag full. I said, is there any chance I could see it? Because I'm just really curious. He said, oh, absolutely. So they pull out this. It's duffel bag size, but it's a, it's an official U.S. mail sack, and it is full of envelopes and small packages and so forth. And I start going through, and I see all of these famous people, people much more well-established than myself, people who if I had any clue that I would potentially be competing against them, I probably would have punked out. You follow me? Oh, yeah. yeah. But I didn't. And ultimately, I was willing to put myself out there. You know, the company I was working for was willing to put itself out there and, you know, competing on our merits, not preconceived ideas is who deserved this and who didn't deserve that or who might, you know, whose turn it might be or any of those other, you know, limiting attitudes we might have about such things. We competed solely on our merits and we got it solely on our merits. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't thought 
to do that. If I hadn't put myself out there, the first major domino of many dominoes for, for me personally would never have uh, – even been in place, much less what I've been where I needed to be. Today. Well, I, I think you bring up a salient point because a lot of people don't put themselves out there because right. they think, well, why would anyone pick me? You know, yeah, someone's right. already doing it. it's like sincere is already teaching body weight exercises. Why would they pick me over him? Or Mike's already right. doing a, a nutrition supplement line. Why should I make my own? They're not going to buy them right. over his. So most people are self defeat. Yeah. You know, they 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 defeat themselves with their own psyche before they even attempt to do anything. Yeah, but that was a that was a huge moment for me, and it's one that I refer back to frequently because before that moment, I was I was well regarded in an extremely narrow niche where if you're not you know if you're outside that niche, no one knows who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and suddenly, I was in an entirely different sphere. I was in a commercial sphere. Uh, I was in a sphere that, uh, industry speaking, you know, is known for customer service, not for you know, that's not where people go to learn how to kill other people. Right. So, um, and again, none of it would have happened. All of the things that sort of make me unique resume wise, uh, because there's a lot of really competent, uh, experienced and you just face it. Awesome. Uh, trainers in the military law enforcement sphere, uh, that no one will ever hear about and their expertise will never migrate beyond, that point, right. which is fine for a lot of those guys because they don't care. They they like just you know focusing on that. But yeah. I've always wanted to take the lessons I've learned and share those lessons when appropriate uh, with as many people uh, as I think could benefit from them. Yeah. No question. There you go. Well, hey, we know you need to go. But, uh, sorry, go ahead, sir. Oh, it was just one more thing before we left. I know you yeah. touched on um, people asking about some of the stories from when you're. You were in um, law enforcement. Now, there was one particular story I remember reading on your blog, man. I actually, before you leave, I actually wanted you to talk about that one. It was regarding sure. a 911 call that you went on. The 911 call with the grandmother, with the grandma. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You, you got to talk about that story, man. It's a great story because, you know, when people ask about, you know, anybody in law enforcement, like, man, what's the, what's the, what's the one thing that's happened, man, in your career, man? And they expect these badass stories, like you went in and you had to take on, like, I don't know, 20 bank robbers <laughs> and they had like 100 hostages yeah. and you were the one badass that killed all of them. <laughs> and, yeah. and you saved the day, you know, but tell them about this story, man. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that is true. At least it's true for me. It, uh, I tend to remember more of the quiet moments than the action packed moments. You know, the action packed moments all kind of blend together because, you know, they're, uh, they're quick and, and they sort of play out a particular way. Uh, but this particular story that Sincere is referring to was, um, it was nighttime. I was at second shift. Uh, nothing uh, of note was was going on, and I was sent to a residential area to uh, check on what was referred to as a 911 hangup. You know, we've just got a 911 call from an address, and on callback, the line is busy, and it could be any number of completely routine circumstances. You know, phones knocked off uh, the hook. But at the time, uh, pre-programmed phone numbers were, were a thing back in the 90s. That was like a high-tech feature, and you could have 911 uh, pre-programmed in your phone, I guess because it's so hard to remember. Uh, in any event, um, it's, it's, it would oftentimes be an easy button to hit. So like you know, if a kid or something knocks a phone off, you, you get that. Now, sometimes you get uh, people trying to call 911, and the bad guy grabs the phone and pulls it out of the wall and – you know, obviously, you can't call that number back. So you never necessarily know what you're dealing with. But um, I'm going to a normal middle-class uh, suburban neighborhood and get out of the car. Uh, I park, park a few houses away because you always do that. So you walk up and you're listening and you're looking. Uh, and um, I'm not getting any indication that anything is untoward. So knock on the door. And door opens, and I can see a family having an evening meal. So, you know, all of the things that you look for to indicate that you know either there's a potential problem or there's not not a problem. Everything is skewing heavily towards you know this is obviously not an issue. the The family at home indicates some surprise as, as to why the police are there, and uh, I tell them, "Hey, phone call nine one one." And any thoughts and like, huh, let's check. So they go over and they pick up the phone. Now, 
there is a phone off the hook somewhere. And then the the husband and wife both look at each other and they say grandma, you know, kind of simultaneously. And then they explain that they have uh, an aging relative in the house who's uh, terminally ill and basically is uh, living out her remaining days uh, in a uh, adjacent bedroom. So they said, she must have knocked your phone off the hook or something. So I said, well, I am going to need to uh, to check on her. And they said, okay, that's fine. And they pointed to where she w- was at. So I'm a cop. You know, it's it's evening time. Most people aren't expecting that. And, you know, if she's terminally ill or she's medicated, you know, I, I don't want to alarm her. So, you know, a little knock on the door, nothing. So I kind of push it up a little bit. You know, they told me what her name was. So I just say her name and and nothing. So I push the door open and I can see her laying on the bed. She's awake. And I start to say, hi, I'm Mike. I'm from the police department. Um, just wanted to, uh, make sure that everything's okay tonight and not draw attention to the fact that it's really odd for a cop to be in her bedroom (laughs) or anything like that. And as she sort of sees that it's me and her eyes kind of focus, she sort of waves me into the room, which I thought was odd. And she keeps waving me closer and closer to her. You know, you always have to be mindful of uh, people's personal space and so forth. And then she points the opposite direction. She's pointing to a TV which has been mounted up on the wall so that she can see it from the bed. And her TV's on CNN. And she's pointing to her TV and she's just saying, look, look. So I'm looking at the TV. Now, when people are medicated, sometimes they're they're kind of – delayed in their thinking or they may be responding to things that they they saw 10 minutes ago or they may be outright seeing things that just are not there or hearing things that aren't there and i'm not sure what what the case is and she keeps pointing to tv and she just says terrible terrible and then i'm starting to get what she's talking about she had seen something on the tv that was upsetting who you know could have been a forest fire, could have been a bombing, could have been a, just a car accident. Who knows? So somewhere in her mind, she did what we do when there's a problem and someone needs to fix it. She called nine one one. So me being in her room was completely expected. That's what she wanted. She wanted me, you know, or some other officer to fix whatever was going on that she had been seeing. Because in in her sort of diminished state, whatever she was seeing, that was real. Now imagine you're the guy in uniform and you're talking to this person. How do you honor that moment? How do you take her seriously so that – I mean what if she were to die later that night and I blew her off? You know, I just like, oh, you know, she's just having an issue. Okay, I'm out of here. So I just sat with her for a moment on her bed, and then I told her uh, that it was time for me to go because I need to go see what I can do about this, and then I left. Mm-hmm. There's um, a lot of misconceptions about what cops are like, what cops do. And that is the reason uh, why I asked you to talk about recently. this. That's the reason why I want you is, to bring up this story. Um, yeah, and it's just there were a lot more moments like that for me, and and you know for for any any cop that um, all were really the the entire nature of the job is to just share a moment with someone and say, yeah, that was that was really bad, or that's a shame, or I'm sorry, because with cops, you know the police department is always open. It's free, and they get called whether it's their job or not. And part of the art of that job, part of what you do, if you're good, I mean, if you really want to make an impact, is just share quiet moments with people. You know, the uh, the drama stuff's easy. You know, the action stuff is easy. You know, th- those things sort of take care of themselves. You know, circumstances dictate a particular response. You respond, and and that's how it is. But the uh, it's the other parts of the job that um, you know you really get to hopefully remind yourself and remind the rest of the world of the humanity that is in you that that led you to seek that workout in, in the first place. Right. 
Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I wanted you to bring that story up, man, because, you know, these days, especially with everything that's going on right now, yeah. you know, cops in general, everywhere, there's a very blanketed thing going on right now where they're right. all catching bad raps for the most part from yeah. so many people. And it's, yeah. I don't think it's fair. And, you know, I, and I see all the debates going on online all the time, back and forth, back sure. and forth. Sure. And everybody's pointing fingers and everybody's like, you know, what about me? What about me? And it's happening on both sides, whether it's, yeah. uh, you know, someone, a person that represents a victim of something that may have happened or someone that represents, the, you know, that looks like that cop. You know, on the same side. But I'm just showing everybody, like, it's a lot of bad crap going on for everybody out there. But the best way to combat bad crap is get together and take it down together. Okay? And not just point there fingers at everyone and and pretend like, oh, I'm not part of it. It's all on him. You know, we all play our parts out there. And, again, these guys are putting their lives on the line on a daily basis. And not all of them are going, not all of them are bad. Just like not all of these victims, you know, are victims. You know, I, I'll go on and yeah. say that, and, I, and I've caught flack yeah. for that, but I could care less. The truth is the truth. You know, my thing is, you know, what are all the events that played up to some of these situations? You know, let's not just leave things out that, you know, that you don't – that make you uncomfortable and you right. know, make it very right. easy for you to point fingers. So that's why I wanted to bring that out, man, just show well, people like, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's yeah. – uh, and it also kind of you know gives us an opportunity to sort of, you know, share, share the contrast between mm-hmm. – you know, there's there there's resume Mike Gillette, and then there's sort of reality Mike Gillette. Right. You know, the truth is generally kind of found in the middle of of any set of uh, extremes, mm-hmm. and and here we all are. Hey guys, it was a blast to talk with you. Uh, big fans mm-hmm. of what you're doing, and. Uh, I, I think it's awesome. I, I love the intensity that you bring to uh, to physical culture and, and training, and just uh, making people want to be better people. I, it's fantastic, and I was uh, very honored to uh, to be with you today. Awesome, man. We know you got to pick up your daughter, man. Where can people find out more information about you before you head out? Uh, absolutely. There's a lot of sites out there, but most of those are commercial sites. But if you visit MikeGillette.com, MikeGillette.com, that's, that's where my blogs are. You can just, uh, check out the content. All of that is free and, you know, it can uh, point you to uh, various uh, social media channels and so forth. But if you really want to get a handle on, uh, what, what guys with resumes like mine are really like, I mean, it's, it's all hanging out there. I'm, I'm a real transparent guy and, uh, love to get feedback on, uh, what, what people take f- from all of that. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate and it. let's see what else do you have coming up. You have some videos you just came out with and you have some strain equipment. Let's do this. Let's, let's bring you back for another episode down the line where we talk awesome. about training. Yeah. yeah Cause you know, I want to talk about Dennis that. Rogers and you know, you, when you came and trained with him, cause oh, you're, yeah, you're yeah. in my backyard when you train with Dennis, I'm here in Houston. So oh, okay. I found yeah, you, you and John Bruni have done a lot of work yeah. you know, we've had him yeah, on the show. John Bruni and I were guy. together this past weekend. Oh, cool. Okay. So nice. yeah. Gillette, the best a man can get. You so. Oh, boy. <laughs> Never heard that you one know, before. You know, you know that had to come up before the show. <laughs> that should be like your tagline on your website. Uh, yeah, I think that one would cost me. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Thanks again for coming on. You have Appreciate a great one. All right. Take care, guys. Take care, man. <laughs> And that's, again, our friend Mike Gillette, MikeGillette.com, spelled just like the razor. The last name, so I'm not going to spell it out, but just put his name in Google. It's a great website called – I always laugh when someone goes, hey, where do I find out more about Boss Rudin's O2 trainer? It's like type in that line in Google. O2 trainer. (laughs) Yeah, type in O2 trainer on Google. You'll find out a lot about it. (laughs) The internet's a great thing, man. (laughs) You can type in just about anything, and something will show up on Google. It's incredible. (laughs) Oh, God. Really? Now, do what those folks did that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Use that coupon code LLA. Go get 10% off the best nutrition supplements out there. I mean, why would you not want to take a testosterone booster as a man? It just boggles the mind. It's just like, why wouldn't you want to be strong? Use that coupon code. Get on the best natural testosterone booster ever. Get on Restorezyme. Mitigate all that inflammation so you get better workouts. Get on Recover Oil so you sleep well at night instead of tossing and turning after watching reality TV for five hours. <laughs> get on the estrogen blocker because, man, if you've got a guck or a gunt, <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, you got bigger problems than estrogen, but you definitely have estrogen problems, so get on that thing. And if you're wondering if you have estrogen, you definitely do. So that's another issue there as well. Don't 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 look in the mirror and think, oh, I'm, I don't I don't have any problems with that. Yeah, you do. I look at every day I go outside and look at people. I go every single person I saw today is a potential 
a beneficiary of EC. They could definitely benefit from it. So anyway, what else, man? What can they use? What can they use that code for on your site? Yeah, man. Head over to newwarriortraining.com. Use that same coupon code. You get ten percent off of. First of all, you coffee lovers and you tea lovers out there, man, you got this Sharia door right here. You can take it anywhere, anytime, and hey, it's environmentally friendly as well. You're not using any electricity <laughs> or anything like that. You can warm up water in your backyard with some sticks and matches, and then take that boiling water <laughs> and grind your coffee with a hand grinder and put it in the Sharia door. Boom! There you go. You got a great it's real caveman stuff right there. Hell That's yeah. real caveman. You want to be primal? Right you want to be primal? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll make you primal. No, so <laughs> take that Sharia door, man, and you can use that same coupon code and get 10% off of that. And as well as the bolsitas out there. I see some of you folks are now coming back and buying the bolsitas, which is the little pouch, that you, the little sock in which you put the coffee in. And I see some folks who are like, didn't buy it the first time around. Like, okay, yeah, you realize that you can't use that same bolsita that you got with your Sharia door for the next year or two. After a while, it's going to be like time to replace that thing. So if you don't have that already, head over there and get a three-pack of that as well. Get the bolsitas to go with that. Also, you can get the weight management program that I have. It's a 12-week course, man, to really help you focus on your body composition. So here's the thing. You, you, now that you're not dieting anymore, you're taking Mike's supplements, you're actually training hard, you're taking some of our advice from our articles in the archive section of our, both of our websites, using some of those programs to get started. Now all this stuff starts to make sense when you incorporate that with the weight management program. So now you don't have to worry about losing a ton of weight really fast, and then you got sagging skin, and then you're on some strict diet, you're starving to death, and then a few weeks later, you're just going all out at every buffet that you pass by. So <laughs> this is going to help you avoid all that. you got all types of ways that you can utilize that, that program, whether it's PDFs, audio, video, all that's included with that, man. And if you have any questions, all you have to do is reach out to me, and I can help you along the way. So you can grab that as well. Use that same coupon code, get 10% off of that, as well as my DVDs, the eBooks, all that good stuff. So, and last but not least, well, not last but not least, but you can also head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast, become a monthly supporter of the show. And also you can head over to iTunes and Stitcher, rate, review, and share the episodes with everyone on social media. All those things help us keep the show going. We appreciate all of you that support the show. And all you freeloaders out there, stop being a freeloader and become a person that supports the show. How about that? Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Take care, everyone. All right, folks. Take care.